Hello and welcome to the Literally Gagging podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to all those books that make you go, oh. So if you're not up for a masturbate this week or don't fancy polishing the family jewels, then this is not the podcast for you because we're going to get deep into something Hannah and I are very interested in. Woo, bubble wanking. <laughs> As usual, I'm joined by my co-host Hannah. Hannah, how are you? I am very good. And as you say, I mean, we'll get into this, but this book has all the wanking that I've been missing in the previous episodes wrapped up into what? 170? 70 lovely little pages. It's wanktastic. But we'll get into that later. I'm all right. I've had an okay week. How are you? Good. I'm not too bad. I uh, I went for a run today and oh. I wanted to die. Someone tagged me in one of those 5k things and I was like, hun. What a bastard. I can barely walk 5k. Yeah, like <laughs> I am running 5k. But I thought I'd maybe try. I mean, no one has tagged me in one of those and I think it's because all my friends know that I would just be like... <laughs> That's cute. No, absolutely not. So well done you, I'm impressed. Thank you. And what are you drinking this week, Hannah? What libation have you got? This week I have moved on from my Edinburgh gin liqueur that I've been drinking for the past two weeks. Oh, very good. And I am drinking a, I think it's a strawberry flavoured gin from a company called Merry Wen Gin. And it's my brother's girlfriend's friend who has like a gin distillery in North Wales. And it's very pleasant. Oh, lovely. We love supporting a local business here, don't we? We do. What are you drinking? So I have my box wine, but I took it out the box. Oh, God. It's just a bag of wine. (laughs) I've got what the Aussies call a goon sack of wine. (laughs) And it's a literal bag of wine. The boxes just take up so much room. So just have the sack. Keeping it classy. So should we crack on to this week's book? Let's get going. This week's book is Vox by Nicholson Baker. Honestly, it's like Willy Wanker in his wank factory (laughs) and everyone's a wanking oompa loompa. (laughs) So let's get into a bit of detail about old Nicky. He was born in 1957 in New York. He's written a whole host of books, really. He's not one for sticking with one genre. He's written three erotic books, which was called like his erotica trilogy. The first one is Vox which we will be covering today. He also writes essays and he's written a biography and yeah, he's a bit all over the place. So Vox came out in 1992, same age as us, yeah, the best year ever. And when this came out, he was dubbed the mad scientist of smut. And again, when you read it, you will understand why. Interestingly, it spent some time on the New York Times bestseller list, which people weren't expecting it to. Vanity Fair described it as a warm turn-on, and his editor described it as hilarious and horny. So just to give you a bit of context, in 1992 at the time, it's when we got into the sexiest bit of US history with Bill Clinton being elected. (laughs) Monica Lewinsky apparently gave Clinton a copy of this because it was so racy at the time. Sexy. It was so sexy. And just to say, we stand Monica Lewinsky on this podcast. Oh my God, so hard. She was taken advantage of. I mean, he was 46 and leader of the free world. What are you going to do as a 22-year-old intern? Uh, The fact that people, especially after the, I mean we're not this is not what this is about but the fact that after the like Me Too movement and all the stuff with Harvey Weinstein the fact that people can still have a certain opinion about Monica Lewinsky blows my fucking mind it's mental so 
Monica, if you're ever... Actually, she was studying in the UK. If you're ever up north, Monica, give us a shout. Oh, come for a bath. We'll go for some wines when this is all over. Could you imagine if we got podcast Oh my God, that would be so cool. That would be the dream. Um, And also, as much as obviously, like, not your boss who's the president Mm. of the United States, but, like, sexy books as a present. I'm into that. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. So the reason it's called Vox is because Nikki Baby was trying to learn Latin at the time, but Vox actually means the voice in Latin. Which is very appropriate because the whole book takes place on a sort of like a phone sex phone call between two characters. Yeah, across the states. So the two characters are called Abby and Jim and they're on this phone chat. They don't know each other. The only time they've spoken is in this book. It's very much, um, as Avril Lavigne would say, he was a boy, she was a girl. Can I make it very more obvious? And it's quite interesting as a book because all you get backwards and forwards is dialogue, dialogue, dialogue that isn't kind of interspersed with periods of action or a lot of it's not even attributed it's just you work out who's talking based on what they're saying and kind of the back and forth of it but one of the things I thought was really interesting about Jim is the words that he uses oh my god because he seems really uncomfortable with anything like the correct words for things and just makes up his own words like weird words for things so frans or frannies according to him are breasts Tock is your butt. So they call it a tock hole, as in your bum hole is a tock hole. And I've also got the bit where they decide they don't like the word masturbate. And she refers to it, not sexily at all. I've literally underlined this and written it ew mm-hmm. next to it, as dithering herself off, which I don't love. And he refers to it as strumming. Yeah, strumming or fiddling. Which isn't great, but a lot of words for it aren't great. So I think strumming, it could be worse. Dithering is not the one in my opinion what i don't get so like he doesn't like the word horny either so he uses the term yorny which just sounds like a a scandinavian person trying to say horny (laughs) like i'm so yorny i'd say it's worse it's worse because it's weird (laughs) just say the word it's not sexy no and i like how he also referred to his penis as a sperm dowel wow that was one of them jim jim well he describes it as 14 inches long at one point which I think someone's had a slip of the hand with the older, with the old ruler, trying to impress this girl on the other side of the country on the phone. And she's like, I know, I know, buddy. You ain't 14 inches long. No one mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Oh, 14 inches. Good for you, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. What did you think of it, Miles? Weird. Weird. Weird AF. <laughs> and I think it's because it challenges the perceptions of what people masturbate to. Mm. So it's not just your classic P and V. It's it's weird that the kinks that people get turned, not weird that it's people's kinks, but like these specific ones are a bit odd, I feel, for a book that you're supposed to wank to yourself. Mm. I would agree with that. I think that was the thing about it was it. I didn't necessarily find it like really sexy, like I'm, turned on by it Mm. but it was very like exploring maybe the things that turn you on that you wouldn't tell people yeah because it's almost like the anonymity of it is the thing that allows them to be really honest and tell these very detailed stories to a stranger really isn't it Yeah, yeah really really detailed things that they've thought about or things that have happened to them or things that they have like got off to and I think it is there are even bits in the book where I think she definitely is like I know this is a bit weird even Mm. I in my like non 
sexy brain think it's probably a bit weird. A bit weird. And I think we've we've all had that when you've been having a little think about something or watching a little something and it kind of all comes to an end and then you're like, fuck me, I'm a degenerate. What am I doing? Yeah, and you're like, oh, why did I do that? It's quite, it's an interesting topic for a sexy Mm. book, in inverted commas, because big bits of it aren't very sexy. No, I wouldn't say it was very sexy. There's a lot of like just wordy storytelling that doesn't go anywhere, but it is probably a normal conversation, which is maybe Mm. what he was trying to get at. And like a lot of tangents as well, that like there's a bit where they go really rapidly from talking about something quite sexy into talking about like, parenthood and having babies and how cute her nephew is or something yeah. and I was like that seems in the space of a page that seems quite a quick turnaround but that's how conversations work yeah. you do go from thing to thing to thing you just chop and change even if you're having like a sexy time something might distract you and then you have a little chat about something else for a bit and the reason that they get into this conversation is because they obviously decided that they want to pleasure themselves and I like the way that Abby describes it as she just didn't want to have a perfunctory masturbation session so So she calls this hotline. She wanted a spicy wank. She wanted a unique wank. She wanted something bigger and better than just the usual. She expects more from her wanks and I respect that. Whereas Jim, I just feel, was a little bit of a sex pest because he does this a lot. I think as well, the way that they discover the call line and they talk about this in the book is he discovered it in Jugs magazine and she discovered it in a, a magazine called Forum. But his was very much like, do you want to speak to sexy women? and hers was like fancy something special yeah it's like that distinction between something maybe a little bit more highbrow possibly yeah. more aimed at a female audience as well who don't want to just be like oh come and wank with a stranger on the phone like who want <laughs> to feel like it's a bit a bit more special as well like quite a lot of the things that he talks about his sort because they kind of go backwards and forwards like trading fantasies and some of them are sexier than others whatever quite a lot of his seem to involve women who aren't necessarily like super involved in it it's i think for him it's more the fact that women do it and he knows that women do it is what gets Mm. him off as opposed to being in the moment with a woman in his sexual fantasies or whatever he doesn't talk about having sex with women or doing anything like Mm. with a woman as a sexual partner it's like he's a voyeur but he kind of seems to think he's got this like moral superiority over men who just want to fuck women because he's like he wants to just look at them and like appreciate their beautiful masturbation and it's like no that doesn't make you a better person i think you'll find it creepier personally really fucking creepy it starts off on the first the first sentence is what are you wearing classic and then like three pages in they talk about people doing the um chokey pokey the, you know the funky spider-man a little bit of the um <laughs> auto erotic asphyxiation mm. which you're a bit like oh cool like straight in there doesn't even hide it it's just like some guy told me once that if you do this it feels really good i just would like to say listeners if you are going to do it please be safe about it oh god please be safe like, do your research so dangerous i just wanted to point out that that was one of the first sexual things that was brought up was auto asphyxiation mm. but they're never mentioned again and that's i think part one of the things that is interesting is a lot of it until the end where it kind of climaxes literally 
literally mm-hmm. um, in like the end of this conversation, the end of this experience. A lot of what they're doing is talking like around the subject rather than it being like, what are you doing? What would you do if I was there? It's more just like we're all having a lovely chat about wanking. So the first real sexual fantasy we get into is when he is talking about he saw a pair of tights an advert for a pair of tights and he imagined what woman would want to wear this pair of tights and how excited this woman would be receiving this pair of tights so he called up and he was contemplating buying a pair of tights for his colleague um that's weird don't guys don't do that men if you fancy someone don't buy them tights as well so like when he calls up he calls them he refers to the woman he spoke to in the phone as clitisha and another one as vulva which (laughs) yeah bit on the nose isn't it And also, like, we've all worked in customer service. Like, please don't involve these women in it either. They did not consent to being part of this. they don't want to. Um, So then he gets into this really weird imagining a woman opening this pair of tights and then the woman's having a fantasy that these male models from a shoot had to like they they had a strike or something so these male models had to come and work in the factory and they saw these tights and they were all really aroused by these tights and that they couldn't contain themselves and they're all just there with their you know various organs and frank erections and wrapping the tights around them before they put it in the package and send it to this woman and that's what gets him off that's what gets Jim the central character off none of the hunks we don't know what gets the hunks off yeah and I just think we all need to just take a moment as well to think about I mean like tights they are specifically described as being beigey green they're beigey green they're not sexy tight they're functional we're not looking at a fishnet like a sheer stocking they sound ugly frankly when he calls up the first time he asks the woman about what underwear works best and he's like oh so she's obviously worn this type of pants before and she knows that these ones hug tight on the hip and that these ones don't and it's just a bit weird and then even though this is his fantasy that gets him off there is a bit where he feels like a little bit guilty about like involving this woman kind of yeah against her will almost because this woman on the phone is just answering his questions like a good customer service operative he says he never touches himself He's rock hard, but he's not touching himself whilst he's doing it. Because that would make it seedy. That would make it seedy. That would make him a monster. If you just got a fucking stonking erection talking to like a call centre lady on a phone, that's fine. It's if you if you touch yourself, then it gets weird. Them's the rules. Well, I think it gets weirder when he calls back up. He's ordered these tights and he calls back up and uh, a woman answers and he said in a lower and smarter voice with some name like Vulva. And I said, Vulva... I have what may sound like an unorthodox question. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But I'm curious about is, well, of all the men who order from your catalogue, do you think some of them are in subtle or maybe not so subtle way obscene phone callers? So he's just outed himself fully. Yeah. He's like, do you know that I'm a fucking perv? And she's like, yeah. Uh, And then she just hangs up the phone. She's like, okay. I'm done. Which I think is the correct response. She's just like, I'm not going to answer this question. And he's like, yeah, fair. And then that's the end of that. And then he orders a pizza. So we're already set up with the idea that Jim's a bit of, I think a a voyeur is is the kind way of putting it. 
I'd call it a sex pest, personally. I wanted to talk about the fact that he finds Tinkerbell sexy. It's the 90s, kids. You had to go to Blockbuster to get your videos. They didn't have the Netflix. This was your excitement. So he goes and gets some seedy videos. And then he's like, do you know who I found sexy? Tinkerbell from Peter Pan. I have to be a bit honest. Robin Hood as a Disney fox does something to me. I don't know what. Apparently Robin Hood's like a really, really popular one because I mean, he's like, he's a, a just a sexy fox. Just a sexy, sexy fox. But a literal cartoon fox. I'm not using this in the sort of Philip Schofield's a silver fox thing. <laughs> he's an actual cartoon fox. He's an animated animal, but I think it's normal like, because when you're a kid, that's what you're the things you watch as a child are going to shape the things that you're interested in as yeah. an adult. Yeah. So he goes on and he talks about how he finds Tinkerbell sexy. And I asked a couple of my, um, I say a couple, I really don't have many straight male friends. <laughs> I said, do you find Tinkerbell sexy? And they were like, no, it's sort of like a poor man's Jessica Rabbit. Okay. It's sort of what they think a 12-year-old would fancy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Jim's reason for fancying her is because she's so small, yet she's got hips and breasts and she's... She should be able to fly anywhere, but like her hips are so juicy. She's thick that they get caught in places and she has to wriggle out and she doesn't sleep with the children. She has her own bedroom sort of thing. She doesn't like hang out with them. So she's sort of like an adult trapped in a small, tiny woman's body. Yeah, that's weird. I think fancying Disney characters is perfectly normal. I think, as I say, Robin Hood's quite a popular one. My one's weird. What's your one? Scar. A lot of people fancy Scar. Like, obviously Meg from Hercules. Oh. Obviously. But Scar was my big one, who is not only a cartoon lion and evil, but really, really camp. Yeah. At the musical, if anyone's ever seen the lion king the musical i had the privilege of working front of house there for some time there's a scene where scar has a sexy sort of topless dance with loads of hyenas and it's just like scar and du bois doing sexy evil plans <laughs> i pointed this out one day and everyone was like yeah that is weird it is really homoerotic but i think it's different as a child watching something and then when you look back on it with hindsight you're like oh when i was a child i fancied this character because yeah. like the little mermaid's a big one a lot of people fancy the little mermaid as well or like the princes yeah the really basic ones like aladdin but i think the difference is as an adult who doesn't have the nostalgia and the maybe like low-key sexual awakening mm. attached to it just an adult fancying a cartoon fairy because she's tiny it's a little bit suspect But then he sort of redeems himself, in a sense, a couple of pages later. He's got this sexy magazine along with the three porny videos that he's got. And he's talking about, like, a scene in it and how it's a pool scene. This is what he says. He's like, it just seems awful somehow, the age-old thing of men wanting to pretend that 28-year-old women are little girls by forcing this icon of girlishness, pigtails on them. When really, when was the last time you saw a little girl wear pigtails? Not to mention the incidental fact that little girls are eternal. Off. Jim's got it right finally he said something I agree with <laughs> and I was like go on Jim uh you know the sense that in those porn uh, adverts they try and make you look like schoolgirls or young and everyone talks in that little baby boy yeah <laughs> have you listened to the John Ronson podcast about the porn industry no I haven't you should it's amazing it's called the butterfly effect and it's about how porn hub like and the advent of free porn has completely changed the way people consume it and that's obviously the interesting thing about this book 
book is it's from the 90s so he has to go to a video shop and get a video but there's a bit in it where they talk about kind of the artistry of porn has gone because everything has to be keyword searchable Mm. so rather than people who would once have made videos that had a bit of artistic integrity they now have to make things called like stepdaughter cheerleader orgy because those are all terms that people might search for Anyway, there's a bit where he says, um, here's this beautiful, alert, lovely woman of at least 27. And all I can see was the dickhead photographer handing her some yarn and saying, right, put this in your hair. And I was like, fair play, Jim, because that is quite a good point. That's like fairly progressive. This is what happens with Jim throughout the whole book. You sort of are like, ooh, ooh. And then you're like, um, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, Jim. (laughs) Jim, no. It's really weird. My dog's called Jim, so this is is very strange for me. And it's quite an interesting thing as well, because when I was doing a bit of research into it, obviously we'll get to our review section later, but there was a Goodreads review that I read where someone was saying they'd picked it up because the edition that they had, um, you know, when they have like quotes from like, oh, this is the funniest book all year or whatever. Mm. And the person who'd done the quote had referred to it as a like fun feminist sexy time. And so this person had picked up the book going, oh, fun feminist sexy time, and then read it and was like... I don't know if feminist is the word that I would use just because half of it is a woman talking about her stuff doesn't inherently make it feminist. I also feel like you get a lot more Jim than you get Abby. Yeah, very much so. I would have liked a bit more Abby and I feel like even if it had been 95% Abby, a lot of the stuff Jim says inherently makes it sort of a little bit not feminist for me. Yeah, he's got an odd opinion. There's a few weird, I don't even want to call them LGBT bits because that's like barely LGBT. There are a couple of interesting bits on that note. Yeah, so this is also, this is when we get to Abby's first sexual memory, her first sexual fantasy and the first time in the book she's presented a sexual fantasy and she's talking to her friend Pamela. Her and Pamela were chilling when they were 12. And she says, I saw it with my friend Pamela, who I think has turned out to be a lesbian. Bless her soul. Fuck off, Abby. Oh, bless her. She's a little lesbian. How do you know? (laughs) Yeah, they didn't have Facebook back then. How would she have found out if they're not still mates? And also, we'll go into her fantasy in a minute, but after she explains her fantasy, she said she think maybe it was my fantasy that turned her into a lesbian. Hun, don't think that big of yourself. I literally wrote in the margin next to it, lol no hun. Like, <laughs> it's not it's not how it works. You didn't make her gay with your weird ass sexual fantasy. It's like that thing where straight girls are like, oh my God, you're gay, don't fancy me. And then when people are like, I, I don't, you're not my type, they're like, what? <laughs> Why don't you like me? <laughs> Why don't you love me? Because you're an asshole. Because you're clearly a homophobic prick. Yeah, so Pamela. <laughs> so Pamela had to listen to this fantasy. And I, for me, it didn't turn me on this fantasy. I mean, if anything, I think hearing this at the age of 12 would have made me never want to look at another no. woman again. So Abby's first fantasy is that she has to get into a tube and take all of her clothes off. So she's in this long tube. It's like she's oiled up in this tube. Sort of like, you know, when you're in Logger's Leap at Thought Park or something, but you're doing it bobsled version. So you're lying down and you're being slipping, sliding round to this oil and then there are all these like hands 
like looking to feel things and they would touch her but their hands were dripping in oil as well so it was a very greasy time actually i didn't even clock this because the oil comes back into play later on didn't it i was just thinking that i was like i hadn't really because i haven't really registered it at the time i was just reading it yeah and then yeah this this oil becomes relevant again she's got an oil thing that must be expensive yeah i thought that was like olive oil like which she we'll come to yeah. later um is spenny it's, it's, spenny. it's a hot commodity don't, don't be wasting it no so then like these hands are touching it and then they touch her boobs and then she's like in this fantasy i had very large breasts and they're like moving really slowly over them so she can kind of feel like every little bit of like this hand like moving like over her boob in this tube and then she sort of says do you think i made pam gay and then it stops it doesn't continue we don't know what these hands end up doing to her whether they do maybe it's just a bit of she wanted someone to feel her nips yeah that's that is the fantasy and she says i finished describing it and i asked her if she had thoughts like that and she said no in quite a shocked voice she said no tell me another and then she's like maybe i turn into a lesbian and jim's like well it would have turned me into a lesbian which is like such a shit line that's such a straight white man line it's such a cringy (laughs) line like "Mm, lesbians and me but then considering the fact we get to page like 40 before she's really done anything than react to what he's been saying he goes it would have turned me into a lesbian now have you got your lights on or not and like just completely derails it and i feel like he does that quite a lot she spends a lot of time pandering to the things he has to say and kind of like getting involved and trying to ingratiate herself in his fantasies and then he's like yeah cool so my fantasy is yeah but then it's like we move on there's a little chat and then the next fantasy sex scene they have he's saying it for her Mm. Like, he's coming up with the thing on the spot for her. And it has to be based around something in her house, which she just happens to have this antique fork, as you do. So he bases it around that. And Hannah, what are your thoughts, feelings and opinions on this weird jewellery fork sexy? They've been talking for 40 pages. She's not really contributed much apart from the tube fantasy. Mm. And then he seems to think he's qualified to, like, go in and create this scenario where she is a silversmith who makes jewellery and works in this shop where the man who owns the shop sort of fancies her a bit and he doesn't want her to know how good she is at silversmithery because he doesn't want to lose her and she makes this all this jewelry that he displays and then a man comes in with a fork that he wants mending and the man who owns the shop is like this is beneath her she can't mend your fork and she's like give me a go i'll mend the fork and then the customer like is into some of the jewelry that she's made and they have this weird thing in the shop but also i don't think anything really happens like it's this it's a lot of build-up for very little payoff so like as well going on to how sort of phallocentric jim is he only talks about the guy having a wank so like he says here and as the speed of the rhythm increases slightly you hear every once in a while that little sort of or and a wet sound you know exactly what he's doing so and he pulls his cock and both balls out of his pants so it's again he's talking about this fantasy for her but only the guy comes in yeah it's like he's wanking and she's wearing a necklace that she's made that he likes he's like oh i need to see the necklace better basically take your top off and so she's just kind of stood displaying herself in her place of work wearing 
only like a necklace. Breasts akimbo. And he's just absolutely wanking and really getting detailed on like, and he's stroking very fast and he bends his legs and he comes in a hot mess all over this necklace that you've made. Like all women want is to just be receptacles for men's cum. I do like her response though of, well, does he buy the necklace? <laughs> like, if you come on it, you're paying for it, aren't you? Them's the rules. And he's just like, um, yeah, why not? And she's like, oh, good. Well, that's, I'll take that then. But like, why did he think he could spend 15 pages on a <laughs> fantasy ostensibly for her, which only ends in a man? it wasn't coming? even interesting, the fantasy, like the build up to it about the fork and the jewellery shop and the man in the jewellery shop. And it, I was just like, get to the fucking... And then they never did. It was a really... It just... It was a bit shit. Yeah. That was... For me, that was like a two out of ten fantasy gym. So then they sort of do some more chat before they get onto the next sort of sex scene. I I highlighted this bit because they talk about the use of uh, dildos and vibrators and, you know, all those magical machineries that are sent for women's pleasure. Abby's not a fan. She says, although I've never cottoned to dildos particularly, I used one once to oblige someone and I got a yeast infection. To oblige someone. That's so sad. (laughs) I know. So she said, I think it was called a mighty mini brute. And he goes, that's a fair description of my crank. Everything he says as like a punchline is really lame also like as you were saying don't oblige someone if you don't want to honey no don't the yeast i mean we've, we're getting onto yeast there's chat so much yeast there's in quite this. a lot of yeast chat which i think is really interesting because she says that she's like oh i unfortunately tend to get yeast complications from real sex inside sex the friction seems to cause them which is maybe why quite a lot of her fantasies are masturbatory or mm. kind of exhibitionism as well she seems to be into that it's not a lot of like and then the man comes in and he fucks me which i think is quite an interesting thing for a male writer to put on a woman completely because that is slightly less phallocentric in that none of her fantasies are about like just getting absolutely rooted by a man and i think it was interesting because i was like it's such like a grim reality yeah they talk about yeast infections but they don't talk about period sex i think period sex is sexier than a yeast infection the two words yeast and infection cannot dry me up quicker we're moving on to another gym one he's done a bit of an ass and he's gone to get some dirty books and in the dirty books he's all a quiver because it's a second-hand bookshop i think the thing that he gets from it is that ugh, his pages have been flicked by women also flicking themselves sort of vibes in it and so he deliberately like tries to pick one that looks like it's been well used and again he didn't do this but he wanted to ask the woman who works in the bookshop which one she liked best and Hannah is someone who's been a book distributor if a guy comes in who I imagine looks a little bit creepy and is like which one of these erotic (laughs) novels do you think is the best I mean obviously good customer service I would try and give him a recommendation but I would also be like it's maybe (laughs) not my area I'm not entirely sure how to help you I'll go and see if one of my colleagues can help you and then I'd probably go and find someone else and just palming off onto somebody else look at this look at this absolute beast of uh, customer service training you've had that was a perfect answer the corporate overlords would be so pleased with you they should put that in all job interviews like what would you do if you were sexually harassed by a (laughs) customer at work 
And there's a bit that I thought was quite nice that when he was reading the book, it's called Beginner's Luck. That's what he picked, Beginner's Luck by Dixie Browning. We should actually see if that's a real book. And if it is, we'll do it on the podcast and see if we agree with his review of it. Because he seems to find just the idea of having the book like almost sexier than reading it himself. Because he says, not only did it give me a partial erection on two occasions, I actually got tears on my eyes towards the end, which reminded me of uh, our reaction to Riders. That we I literally wrote that in my book. I went, oh my God, Riders. <laughs> secretly fucking loved it he got really invested so he seems to quite enjoy it he says i mean i probably won't reread it very soon but when you think of the stuff that passes for highbrow these days you've got to admire it so you know he loved it but the thing he really loved was seeing an ad at the back for a thing called a bookmate which is a hands-free it's like the bluetooth of books i think like a book stand thing that you can like yeah hold your book open and it's specifically the, the phrase that uses is that it, you can use it for traveling vacationing at work in bed studying cooking eating and he is kind of like he's like it's for wanking but maybe it's not maybe a woman just wants to read whilst chopping dinner we're allowed to be educated now jim fuck you they didn't have netflix back then cooking dinner i like to put a bit of netflix on my phone Same. and do my chopping i can watch drag race whilst cutting up my onions yeah and i feel like this is the og version of that it's not for wanking it's for entertainment because it's really boring doing all the traditionally female jobs the 90s were so <laughs> there was nothing to fucking do in the 90s so let me read my book hands free living in middle america i really think there probably was nothing to do and then we go on to another one of abby's fantasies yes. she likes water she does like water and this is one of the bits that i wrote and i was like if anything in this book is going to be sexy i thought the way this was described was quite good mm. it kind of sold the water to me she likes showers she likes baths she likes the ocean she likes swimming pools the phrase she uses is that she would put out for any body of water at all which um again as a pisces we are inclined to do she's a water sign because i'm a cancer so like i get it that's true maybe that's why i liked this bit maybe that's this is the bit that's oh speaking my God, the most Hannah, to me. have you been studying astrology in the lockdown i know that i'm a cancer that's the only <laughs> thing i do know <laughs> so yeah she likes having an outdoor shower after being at the beach the one thing that stopped me on this is when she puts lip gloss around her nipples and then soaps it off. Yeah. Isn't that just a waste of lip gloss? Like, lip gloss is a very 90s thing. Very 90s. There's a lot in this that's very 90s. The constant chat of erect nipples is very much like Monica and Rachel and friends. They're always just present. It's like Carrie in the early series of Sex and the City. She only wears a bra when it's the only thing she's wearing. Yeah. And there's that whole episode where um, Samantha gets like the rubber nipples. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, nipples are in now. That's a great episode. Love Sex and the Sea. So after we talk about her water, they sort of roll into what fantasies work and what fantasies don't work. And th this is the section I found really quite interesting because they go into a load of different fantasies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they talk about two cocks, each one poking from one of the under my armpits, sperm squirting from them, like a, a sperm armpit fountain. Then they talk about a geometry teacher measuring boys' penis lengths. That's a classic unfortunately isn't it is it i suppose it's normally at school girl because it's a power play thing but i think it's like because it's a position of authority it's playing with power dynamic uh, the next one was a nurse a fertility clinic and my job is to strip for clients who have difficulty coming and then suck their cocks and let their sperm drip from my tongue into the test tube 
That's a bit grim because scientists, would her saliva do something to the DNA of that child? And how long a break would she need between clients? Like, otherwise she's just mixing sperm and that's a nightmare. True. She might have a little bit of like, little one caught in the back of her throat that goes into the next one. And that just sounds like paperwork out your ears if you get that one wrong. And then the next fantasy was a dressing room and some native Hawaiian security guard is watching me try on blue jeans over the monitor. (laughs) That's specific. Yeah, so those are the sort of stereotypes of sexual fantasies they go into. But it's interesting because I suppose it is sort of the 90s version of going on Pornhub and being like, no, 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 no. Oh, we'll try that one. After we talk about what does and doesn't work, they then go on to the difference between what women choose to masturbate to and what men choose to masturbate to. And they sort of say that if there was a pile of sexy videos and some Victorian naughty sort of like the books we're reading now yeah some sort of smutty erotica that Abby would go for the erotica and he'd go for the videos so kind of enforcing the idea that like maybe women are less visual and need to be more mentally stimulated than men traditionally do yeah and I think that was just a nice little follow-up on uh, what porn works for you what's modern what's not but I think it's still maybe the same in that women prefer the literature i mean look at 50 shades of gray when that came out yeah absolutely and i mean i mean we are doing this podcast as opposed to it being two men doing this podcast so once we've established what works for whom and what doesn't work for whom we move on to what is probably abby's biggest sexual fantasy where she gets fucked by three men in her head painter and decorators specifically which is a porn trope isn't it it's like the pizza guy come to mend your dishwasher yeah come to paint your hall stairs and landing it just feels like sexy men who don't give a fuck about you but they just want to fuck you that you're paying to be there i'm gonna read out i think i'm gonna do it i'm gonna read out this whole large paragraph of abby's big old sex fantasy and then we'll unpick it So, bit of context, there's three men. She's sort of stuck on some paint cans. She's in like a hole in the wall, isn't she? So half of her's in one room and half of her's in another room. And they're painting various parts of her. And then it gets to sort of like the final throes of passion. So the whole ass painter took this moment to remove his hands from my back so that all of his weight was directed through his thigh muscles and his cock into my ass, while at the same time the leg painter, who was standing, pulled almost all the way out of me and then he slid himself all the way back in so I could feel the muscles of his legs hit against me and I opened my mouth to say, whoo, which is I think almost certainly what I would say if all this was going on in my front hall. But of course, as soon as I opened my mouth, the cock of the man underneath me slid right inside. So all I could do was hum. And then all three of them came in me, one right after the other. First, the one in my mouth, surprisingly enough, then the one in my pussy, then finally the one in my ass and scene. That's a lot. Through all of this, as we say, this is one of the biggest chunks of the book, which is her sexual fantasy. She doesn't get off in the fantasy. No, three men are coming in her. She gets off in the shower. And also that passage you read, which as you say, is like the climax of the sexy bit. Mm. There seemed to be quite a lot of admin of like, there's this one doing this thing. And then there's the other one doing this, but then like... It was again, like six pages of dialogue to get to the actual fucking half a page of sort of stage managing three men around her and then it was over 
stage managing three men around us. Sorry, I just have the stage manager going, um, can I get painter three to stage right? Can I get painter three to stage right? Thank you. But I do think the thing she says after that is quite a good description. He was like, oh, and so that's what made you come when you're in the shower. And she was like, well, one of the things, and it takes quite a long time to describe it, but when it's happening in your head, it happens quite quickly. As you say, the describing of it is the, and then he did this thing, and then he did, whereas in your head, you just it just happens and then it's it's there. So it's probably like easier to, you know, get off to as an image than it is to describe yeah. in detail to somebody. And then we learn some quite personal things about Abby in general. So when I do sing How Wet Do You Get, she is literally like the ocean. It takes many a towel to mop her up. And in my head, I'm picturing a big bath towel. You know, you come out, you get all snugged up in your big bath towel. Maybe it's a face flannel. I don't know. But she's needing a lot. She's needing mopping. I just don't know any women who get that wet no i don't maybe they just not told me i don't think it's a very common thing for women to literally be sopping at the vagina i did though just a little bit further up the page i did really like the phrase my clitoris is duplicitous it's like not a thing that a person would ever say to another human being out loud i don't even think i know really what duplicitous means like tricksy like trying to dupe you like oh oh you're gonna come you're gonna come you're gonna come gotcha gotcha get another towel <laughs> Oh, do you know what we did miss? And it's, again, it's because it's one of Abby's few sex scenes. She has a gentleman call around. And this is, this is not a fancy, is it? This is her describing a thing that happened. This is a real thing that happened to her with a gentleman caller. They'd been to the circus. His clothes had got wet. It was very, very hot. And then they went home and she was going to make him dinner. That's the setup. Classic date scenario. And she describes it as, I've dressed this person. I'm feeding this person. I'm going to seduce this person. I like this. And this is the first time we've ever seen Abby be like this. And it says here, I am in charge here. I'm going to see this person's penis get hard and even though i have a smoldering yeast problem and i can't really have fully fledged sex i am going to have my way with this person somehow yes hon i love that i love that for her she's kind of very deliberately as you say she's decided she's going to seduce this person she's talking about the fact that she's had her legs waxed and he seems a little bit sort of scandalized because the phrase she uses is leona who's her waxer is very thorough no follicle is left unmolested then oops i wondered whether that was maybe too kinky for him and whether he might think that i was trying to give him the idea that leona had gone over the edge and waxed off all my pubic hair horrifying thought so i said i mean within limits does this mean in the 90s full bush was okay or was it partial bush in the 90s or was it landing strip might have been landing strip There was some bush because clearly the idea that Leona might have gone rogue and taken everything off was a big deal. I think it'll be interesting to look at the history of the pubes in women. We'll make a timeline. Oh my God, yeah, let's make a timeline. That's fun. So she's talking about the fact that she's had her legs waxed um, and that's where the olive oil comes into it. So he's oiling up her legs to soothe all that pain and he keeps oiling and oiling her up and then she's like... So I've got a yeast infection, but we can grease each other up. And he's like, okay, cool. I can take care of myself at home. But then he's like, on the other hand, your bathtub is a mess. 
ask me to clean it and I will. Which for me is an ultimate turn off. Like, you want to clean my house? Yes, please. Oh my God, absolutely. She's sort of umming and ahhing and then he just goes, look, tell me to clean your tub. He's standing there, a pantsless patent lawyer, semi-erect, wearing my Danger Mouse t-shirt, holding the tiny curled up green rescue pad with a fierce expression. He wanted to clean my tub. I'd have let him. I would have definitely let him. And she does. He's scrubbing away. He's moving all the shit she's got on the side of the bath. There's a lot of shampoo bottles, which it's not cool. These not good for the stuff. environment, everyone. She definitely doesn't have any vegan Lush products, you can tell. She specifies that not that my tub was filthy. It isn't. It just wasn't sparkling, which is clearly what he wanted. And then they both start to get the horn and they're sort of separately wanking. And the phrase she uses, I'm a bit ranked too, do me. And so he's got like, the shower head that he's been using to clean the bath um, and he's sort of hosing her down with it. She's trying to wank him off and then she's sort of like, you can go your own way. You do you, I'm going to do me because I can't wank you off and do me at the same time. She describes his wanking as a blur like a sewing machine and he produced this major jet of sperm into the circular spray of the water and I shifted adroitly so that the poached sperm and hot water runoff wouldn't pour directly into me and cause trouble. Poached sperm is not a phrase I needed in my life. But yeah, they have they have a nice time. And she's got a beautifully clean bath afterwards. And I mean, that's the dream, really, isn't it? That's the dream. Is the next big one his big one, his like fucking 20 pages crowning moment? Yeah, I'd say that was the next one. The next one is one that I have a lot of feelings about. And I mean, the first bit that we're going to get into that I had feelings about was um, this time I had a crush on a woman at work. He really likes her arms. She's flirting with another man who's called Lee. This woman knew I had a crush on her. In fact, I used to send her a memo with a single asterisk in the middle of the page on the day after any night I masturbated, thinking mainly about her. I don't know if she thought this was charming or not. She, in the sense, reciprocates and is sometimes like, what, no asterisks today? But also, like, how does she know what that means? Because if someone just started sending you, like, a text or an email, which would be the equivalent now, with just an asterisk, then you were like, oh, that's what a, fucking, what a weird thing to do that my colleague's doing. You wouldn't know that that was what it meant unless he's told her. And I also don't know a lot of women who enjoy sexual harassment in the workplace, who, despite having a crush on one guy, are happy to keep the sort of... I'm not going to call him an incel, but he feels a little bit incel-y. <laughs> he does, yeah. Character running along next to them, like, I'll have him as a backup just in case. Yeah. And then he says, I tried to get her to send me a memo with a pound sign on it the day after any night she'd masturbated thinking about Lee, but she never did. How do you broach that with a colleague? And how did you not get taken to HR? Because that's not okay. You can't put in like the subject line to pound or not to pound. That is the question. Dear so-and-so, I hope this email finds you well. I would like to propose an idea to you. Like, no. Hannah, would you like to divulge to the group what he does to try and entice her to do this, what he thinks is the next appropriate step? Right, we've all been there. You fancy someone at work, you've been sexually harassing them and sending them memos when you wank about them, um, and you decide the next logical step is to leave one of these asterisk memos and a photocopy of your genitals on their desk when you're working late one night. This is the birth of the dick pic, isn't it? This is the birth of the unsolicited dick pic in that this guy is like do you know what'll make her fancy me 
No, no one wants a picture of your penis. Have you seen your penis? No one wants a picture of your penis when you can take one with good lighting on like a smartphone. You don't want a photocopy of someone's dick. That's even worse. Honestly, lads, she's showing it to her friends. The second you send a dick pic, that is straight in the group chat, babes. And like four to six to 12 women are assessing your penis and giving it the biggest breakdown. That is what they are doing to your penis. Please stop sending them. But then he obviously finds that photocopying your erect penis is really practically quite difficult because the photocopy is like too high. You can't really get that like imprint very well. And something about he didn't like the quality of the paper. He was like, my office buys cheap, shitty paper. So obviously my cock looked bad on the photocopy. That's the problem. It's the shitty paper, not photocopying your penis. So he tries this. It sort of doesn't really work in the way he wanted it to. And then he was like, basically, the idea is I want her to know that I was at work thinking about her and I was hard. That's kind of the feeling I want to give. That's the vibe. How do I give her that sense? Actually come on to the asterisk memo? No. He does say that seemed crude. He thought that was crossing the line. And Abby's not spoken in pages for more than like a word. And he's like, do you think that would have crossed the line? And she's like, yeah, I uh, I think it probably would. Yeah, I think mean, that's not cool, huh? <sighs> yeah. So then he draws around it instead, like when you do like a little handprint picture in primary school to give to your mum from Mother's Day card, puts it on the paper and he draws around it. But it doesn't look as good as he thought it was going to and he's a bit disappointed. And then he puts it all in like a box in her office and then he chickens out and like goes back and gets it back and kind of keeps it in Mm. his desk instead because he thought he kind of yeah he decided it was a little bit weird which I think was the correct decision to make personally so he goes on and has a little meeting with her and he decides to tell her that he wants to fill out an ad to find a woman not just man seeking girl or if you like pina coladas <laughs> and uh, getting caught in the rain. His specific uh, ad is, you and me are sitting side by side on my couch, watching Xvid, not touching. You are short or tall. You want me to see pleasure transform your features. I am single white man, 29. And he goes to his colleague with this ad he's written and is like, you're a woman. Do you think a woman would respond to this? And she's basically like, women need more detail. And so they start like editing. And I, I just want to say this is like 10, pages maybe of the detail that they go into to build up to this sex scene of like what does your living room look like what video are we watching she needs a blanket because she might be feeling a bit exposed and they go into a lot of detail and then they go blanket shopping together which is as thrilling as it sounds and that's another couple of pages and then they go to the video shop and they get a video that i think does she recommend the video to him yeah she suggests this one video called pleasure so deep and he goes out and he finds that video and then they go back to his house Mm mm-hmm And this is where the plot thickens. They start watching the video together and she gets all snuggled up in the blanket and he gives her the controller and says, fast forward anytime anything bores you. She's watched this video before so she knows the good bits. And it's where it gets again. Maybe this isn't weird for some people, but a little bit odd for me. I think it's because most of my co-workers are gay men. This is why it would be weird for me. (laughs) They start wanking next to each other they're in the blanket and they're watching this sexy porno and he describes it as after a little while there were some movings around under the blanket and then it started to shake 
sort of. Her face was fairly close to mine, but we didn't make eye contact. Then her pantyhose appeared from under the bottom of the blanket with her underpants still nestled in them. So she's swaddled herself in this blanket, Mm -hmm. taken her pants off so she can have a little bit of a wank while she sat next to her co-worker who sends her sexual post-it notes. Obviously, just because of the nature of the book, you're like, did any of this really happen? Mm. Because this seems like exactly what he wanted from his fantasy and yeah. what are the chances that he'd actually get to do it with this woman he really fancies at work so she's having a little wank she and she's kind of flicking backwards and forwards she's finding the bits that she wants to watch and he gets really because obviously it's the only bit of her that he can see and he really really likes her arms he gets really like interested in like her wrist and her forearm like the muscle there that's like tensing and stuff and he's like can i touch your arm so she's wanking and he's just touching her arm the bit that she really finds erotic so like suddenly one man comes on the woman's face and breasts the other pulls out and comes on her bush with strikingly white sperm emily wasn't phased. she said do you mind if i rewind that a little and that's the scene she wants to come to and as a woman a guy just coming on your tits i don't find particularly sexy does feel more like again as we've said a man writing a woman and then there's this kind of awkward bit where she's like got the blanket wrapped round her and he's kind of escorting her to the bathroom because he's got jizz all over the blanket and he doesn't want it to get on her so he's like holding the blanket where he's come on it and then he takes her back to her car and the next day he sent her an asterisk memo and uh, that was it and he says he watched the film again on his own and he just didn't really enjoy it it was watching it with her which was the best sexual experience he's ever had and then it moves sort of from this quite nicely into his needs of which have been mentioned before in the fact that he gets off on women wanking and it's really comes to head in that scene where his co-worker who is clearly interested in someone else has a wank in front of him and again it is not interested in engaging with her and doing something no. sexual with her he wants to watch her wank and so he has this other fantasy about having a device which will help him hone in on masturbating women and he kind of uses it to implicate himself with Abby in this fantasy. It's, it's getting to the end of the phone call and they're sort of like, shall we dance? Bum, ba-dum. <laughs> and they, this is where he sort of comes up with the final symphony of sexual fantasies. And it starts with this weird machine. It's called the Mmm Tracker. And it tracks women wanking. And yeah, the fantasy he tries to explain to her is him driving past her house and getting this reading off the device. He pulls his car over and he goes into her flat and he like pretends he needs to use the phone or something part of this conversation he's having is her in the fantasy not being entirely comfortable letting a strange man into her house but then doing it anyway because he seems like an all right guy and then the sex scene that follows it i thought was the um the best sex scene in the whole book just the two of them having sex i think my favorite bit of it was when she says that she came so hard she saw the great seal of the commonwealth of massachusetts which is very specific I don't know what that looks like. We could put a picture of it on the Instagram. I assumed it was an actual (laughs) seal when I first read it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I don't know if they have seals in Massachusetts. Is it like a coat of arms? Yeah. If anything in this book was going to be, like, sexy in, like, a very traditional sense, it was the end portion. Because you're gearing up towards the climax of the phone call. And then they're just like, that was fun. How long have we been talking? We've been talking for hours. Do we want to exchange numbers? 
And that's kind of it. That's it. That's why we don't know if they do this again. We will never know. It's just a little a little snippet of both of these people's lives. I think that's the book. I think that's the book. I think we did all the sex in and there was a lot of sex in this book, guys. Really. I think we've we've tried to be fairly comprehensive tried. about it. Um but it is literally a 170 page book which is purely a phone sex call. So probably the most sex like per page that we've had. So, Hannah, I'm going to ask the big question. How wet did you get? Were you like the ocean? How wet did you get? Were you drier than the desert? How wet did you get? Did you come at this book? No, is the first answer. I would say, I don't know. Was this sexier than Lady Chatterley? I think, for me, the last bit was sexier genuinely sexy genuinely a bit sexier but the rest of the book wasn't yeah it's like can the last 20 pages beat out the first 150 i'm gonna give it a 5.5 i think i'd bump it up to a six i think it's on the same level as lady chat for me i wasn't frothing at the gash for it but i also wasn't like this isn't sex do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it is the most obviously sexy book that we've read. And the thing about sex is that it's so subjective. So what is sexy to Nicholson mm. Baker may not be what is sexy to me, may not be what is sexy to you. And so there were bits of this that I did find sexy. There were bits of it that I didn't. Yeah, it's everyone to their own on this one. I think that's very much the point of the book is that whatever your sexual fantasy is, unless it's children, is okay. Yeah, absolutely and again as always we're not kink shaming it's just not for us personally it's not for us no but don't sexually harass your colleagues do you have a review for me molly i do so this person's called snipe and they are a top contributor to gardening and horticulture so good for them a delightful quickie this was the second or third time i've bought this book i like it quite a bit and keep managing to lend it to people who don't return it if it's covered in their cum they should keep it if the pages are stuck together i don't want it back it's theirs as one reviewer explained the porn is soft but the porn isn't what kept me coming back the dialogue itself is wonderful yes the characters personalities are a little bland but that's what makes it good if the characters were outlandish and bizarre their conversation wouldn't be nearly as much fun these are two utterly ordinary people having a conversation about things that most people have thought and perhaps never mentioned out loud i for one don't even read erotic novels it doesn't make you better than everyone else snipe all right hun off your high horse calm down karen because you clearly do i always wind up laughing too hard to ever get the past the first page or two box is surely worth the money and is thoroughly entertaining it won't leave you panting for more but i at least felt my time and money was well spent every time i've bought it slash read it so i've had a little look at goodreads christopher gave it four stars i'm gonna paraphrase bits so i'm not gonna read the whole thing interesting bit to me at least the characters mention at one point that the call is 95 cents per half a minute the audiobook of this book is four hours and 44 minutes long making it assuming the audiobook is a reasonable representation of the amount of time it would take to have this conversation a 556 dollar 64 cent phone call for their sake i really hope it was worth it it seems like it was fun for them but i wonder if it was that fun and I really like that Christopher's taking the time to work that out for us because that's a fun fact. 
So, I think that is Vox. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and maybe you'll go and read it too. If you do, please let us know. Let us know how you found it. Let us know which bits you liked, which bits you didn't, if it got you wet. Or if you have read it and you think we're completely off track and we're barking mad and that it is the best sexual romp ever, let us know too. We are very open to being wrong about things. As open as Abby's holes when three men were coming in there. <laughs> if you want to follow us on all of the socials, we are at literally gagging pod, except for on Twitter where it's just lit gag pod. Also, please rate, review and subscribe to us. That's how we know you like it. Give us reviews like Amazon. Oh, please give us reviews. And if they're good, we might read them out. In the review section, as always, stay safe, stay indoors. Wash your hands, especially if you're wanking. COVID wanks are on the rise. And apparently masturbating beats your immune system. I mean, also like do social distancing and the government mandated things but also have a wank wash your hands wash your hands love to you all love to you molly it's been love fun love to you all love to you hannah nice to bits babs a big thank you to bobby bates for doing all of our artwork and our logo and everything to bethany southworth for our jingle and the other incidental music is from kevin mcleod of incompetech the king of royalty free jams and savior of media studies students the world over